Welcome to the Attracting Lasting Love podcast presented by CoachingWithFroy.com. You've found the place where single adults come for mindful wisdom and insight into how to attract and create healthy, lasting, conscious relationships. And now, here's your host, the owner of CoachingWithFroy.com, number one best-selling author, certified relationship coach, and TV analyst, Roy Biancalana. Well, hello again, and welcome to another edition of the Attracting Lasting Love podcast. My name is Roy Biancolana, and today we are finishing up a five-part series that I have titled Dark Matters, Working with Some of Life's Most Difficult Emotions. Now, in previous episodes, the first four, we dealt with loneliness and then anxiety and then insecurity and last time, resentment. And today, we deal with the topic of depression. Now, if you've listened to the previous episodes uh, on this series, forgive me for repeating myself as I am going to do right now. Because in the first part, I said a few things and I'm going to repeat But the reason I'm doing that is because it is quite likely that there is someone listening to this episode that has not listened to any of the previous episodes. In other words, someone might be, you know, going to my podcast page and scrolling through and seeing all, you know, 105 episodes as of this one, and cherry-picking the episodes that they find interesting or that they, you know, are experiencing. And that's not a bad thing. That's wonderful. I hope a lot of people are finding this podcast and just going through all the different things that I address and picking and choosing the topics they want to hear about. But if if someone does that with this one, they might go straight to this podcast and just say, boy, I I sometimes deal with depression. I'd like to hear what he has to say. But they didn't listen to the whole series. And so because this topic is so powerful and there is such a chance that damage can be done by what I say if it's not heard in context And um, things can be so misunderstood if a person isn't familiar with some of the things I said to introduce this entire series. So just forgive me for a minute by repeating some things. And the first, the first one that comes to mind is that I am not going to, and if you think you do hear me tell you, to not take medications or to not look into getting medications, you are misunderstanding me. There is nothing I am going to say here, and I have no intention of saying that you should not take Prozac or something else. I am not saying that you should go against your doctor's thoughts I am in no way discouraging the use 
of medications. Because one of the things that we're going to talk about here is that depression, the origins of depression, I think, are unclear. Meaning, is depression something that comes strictly from our biology and our our inner chemistry? Is it simply hormonal imbalances and, you know, dopamine, serotonin, and, you know, chemical imbalances in the body? Is it exclusively caused by that? Or is depression a psychological thing that it's not caused by biology? It is the way we're thinking, it is an energetic thing, it is a an emotional thing, and right, so which one is it? And I think the truth is, is it can be exclusively one or the other, or it can be a combination of both. Or, if you really want to see the complexity of this, it, there is a chance that our depression originally starts to come up in us emotionally and psychologically, right? We, we have certain thoughts about the way our lives should be, and they haven't turned out that way, and we get down, we get discouraged, we get blue, right? We have emotions. It's a really, I think there's a possibility that when we have emotionally originated depression, that it then affects our biology. And then you might see it causing chemical imbalance. Or the opposite. That there is a chemical imbalance, and when it's not dealt with, it sort of crosses over into also then becoming an emotional thing. So, how do you treat depression? You sort of got to know what is the original cause. But also, there's probably a lot of truth in treating both sides of that equation. Giving some emotional, spiritual, psychological techniques, but also paying attention to the chemical and biological things. Do you see? So because I have that perspective, I would never say that, oh, you shouldn't be taking drugs. This is a spiritual issue. Nor would I say, you know, that the spiritual stuff is nonsense. The emotional stuff is nonsense. You just need to get your your biochemistry balanced properly and you're going to feel great. Okay? I think we all probably know people or have at least heard of people that take anti-depression medication but yet still deal with depression. It's not that they don't work, but maybe they don't work like 100% to where you take the right medications and you feel like a million bucks, right? And there are people who do tons of spiritual work, and I know of them. And they still have an issue with depression. It's not spiritually oriented. They have a biochemical issue going on. So the first thing that I'm probably going to say here 
about depression is you better find out what's going on in your body in terms of where is it coming from? Is it a biochemical issue? Is it a spiritual, emotional, psychological issue? Or is it a combination of both? Because once you know that, well, then that directs your treatment. That directs what you are going to do in response. But the worst thing you could possibly do is sort of misunderstand where your depression's coming from because then you would give it treatment that isn't necessary or and therefore won't work. Okay? So that's the, the first thing that I that I want to stress. The second thing is that when I talk about depression today, I am talking about depression with a lowercase d. Meaning, I'm not talking about clinical depression. I'm not talking about the really dangerous, nearly sometimes suicidal levels of depression. I'm not talking to people who cannot get out of bed, who cannot keep a job, who cannot maintain friendships, who are in extreme suffering that are so down and so low and so non-functioning, right? I am not talking to you. If you are experiencing anything like capital D clinical depression, then the things that I have to say are going to maybe only help you a teeny weeny little bit. You need to go get professional advice and help. Perhaps go into a facility and really spend some time, give yourself weeks or a month of specialized care. So I would hope that you can find enough love and concern for yourself to reach out for professional help, which is difficult to do when you're in that kind of deep, dark depression. There is a sense of giving up, a sense of hopelessness, a sense of that, you know, kind of a feeling that would make you not want to ask for help. I just want it to end. I want to end it all. I, I don't want to deal with this. So the people that are suffering the most from depression are sometimes the least likely to tell someone, hey, I'm in big trouble here. So all I can do is encourage you to care about yourself enough to tell someone, I'm depressed. No, no, I don't mean I'm depressed with a lowercase d. I mean, I'm, I'm in trouble. And then check yourself into a clinic or go see a psychiatrist and don't sugarcoat yourself. If, you're dep- if you are suicidal, you tell someone, listen, I'm imagining and sort of thinking out and I even sort of have a plan on how I would do it. it it's that bad. Okay. So I'm not talking to those people here. I'm talking to what I think is the vast majority of people that deal with depression that have the lower case D type, which is you feel down, you feel low, you lack energy, you lack enthusiasm, 
you feel some hopelessness, you feel dark, you lethargic, right? You're, you're blue, right? And I'm, as I say that, I don't mean to say that that should be taken lightly, lightly, that that's not an issue. No, you're, you're suffering. You're, you're not in a good place. You, you just haven't crossed that line into something very dangerous and clinical. You're just, you're just depressed. You're just down. So in a sense, it's a little bit like we talked about the week for anxiety. There is anxiety with a capital A, right? You have panic attacks. You cannot sleep. I mean, you are, you are throwing up from nerves. You, you, you are an absolute dysfunctioning mess because you're so scared. You're, you have so much anxiety. It's kind of clinical anxiety, okay? I wasn't addressing that in episode number two of this series. I was talking about kind of regular, everyday, run-of-the-mill, horrible anxiety where you just have a sense of worry, a sense of dread about what's going to happen, what could happen, and it, it's messing with you, right? Um, you might be diagnosed with an anxiety disorder, but it's the kind of anxiety that really might not require you to be hospitalized. It's just, no, you got a lot of anxiety and you're anxious and your stomach is in knots and your mind is telling you stories of doom and, you know, you're catastrophizing in your head about what could go wrong and you're, you're just an anxious mess. Okay. That's, that's what I would call anxiety with a lowercase a. Lots of people deal with that. And lots of people deal with lowercase d depression in the same way. They're down and they're dark and they're blue and they lack energy. I mean, they can get out of bed in the morning. They can keep a job. They have friends, but there's a darkness there and, and, and a real sense of lethargy and, well, depression. That's what I want to address in this episode. Okay, so if we're clear on that, then I think I'm on the one hand protecting myself from lawsuit, which if somebody takes my advice and thinks they hear me telling them not to take medications and they commit suicide and then someone checks the history of their computer and their phone and they find out they listen to me and then they they think they hear me telling them that, well, then someone could come after me. So part of this is to protect myself, but mostly because that's very unlikely because I'm not telling you to, to not take depression medication, but mostly I'm trying to help you look at yourself honestly and say, what kind of depression or anxiety do I have? Do I need to take much more aggressive steps in the biochemical direction? Okay, but what I'm going to talk about now is the psychological, the spiritual, the emotional direction. I'm going to be talking to you as if your depression has got nothing to do with your biochemistry. Okay, now perhaps you have this normal psychological depression, and it, if somebody did some blood work on you, they might find some disturbing levels of 
hormones in your body. But I'm coming at this from the perspective that it's your emotions that are creating the biochemical changes. And so you don't really need to deal with that because the root cause is spiritual or psychological, mental, emotional, right? So that's who I'm talking to here. People that do not have biochemical issues. It Because my view, and I could be wrong about this, my view is probably 80% or more of people that deal with depression, it's not biochemical. It's that they're doing one simple thing. Okay? Now hold on. This is going to seem overly simplistic. This is going to seem sort of ridiculous on its face. But here's why most of us are depressed. We have had an idea as to how our lives were supposed to go. Perhaps from an early age, we started to map out our lives as to what we wanted, who we wanted to become, what we wanted to experience. Perhaps from an early age, you knew you wanted to grow up and you wanted to become a doctor or a lawyer and do something with your career. Or perhaps you grew up and you were like, I want to, you know, I really had a dream of having a career. Yes, but I wanted to be a father or a mother and I wanted to have children and, you know, be a parent, right? So either from your childhood, you've had your vision of what you wanted your life to be, or more recently, even now, you have ideas of how you think your life should be and what should be happening in your life and where you should be in your life by your age. That by now you should have this much money or by now your career should be at this level or by now your love life should not be the way it is or by now your health or your fitness or whatever it might be. What I'm saying to you is that your depression is caused by the difference between what you think your life should be and the way it is. When we have these ideas about how our lives should be, and we think they're right and they're true, if I think my life should be a certain way and it's not, then I'm depressed. I'm down. I'm discouraged. Man, I'm 63, and I'm only worth how much money? Man, I've been a failure. My life hasn't turned out the way I thought it would. I thought I would have, you know, been the world's greatest professional golfer and made millions and millions and millions of dollars and been like Tiger Woods. You know, everybody knows my name. Or I would be this coach, man. I would be like the next Dr. Phil. I had my own TV show, you know, my books would sell millions of copies like, like Bill O'Reilly or something or, you know. So if I have those beliefs that my life should be a certain way and it's not, doesn't it make sense that I'm going to feel discouraged, down, disappointed, that I might lose motivation to kind of keep trying, to keep working, to keep going. 
Doesn't it make perfect sense that I'd be sort of depressed if I looked at my life and said, you know, it's not at all what I imagined it would be. It's not what I wanted it to be. It's not measured up. So depression has to do with the past and the, and the present in the sense of the present, you know, isn't the way I want it because of my past. I haven't done what I wanted to do or I haven't achieved the goals that I wanted. My life has not turned out to be the way I want it to be. So we don't get depressed about the future. Well, I'm depressed that I'm depressed that you know I don't know if I'll find a partner in the next year, right? That's not the right word. You you wouldn't be depressed about something about the future. You would be anxious about the future because anxiety is a fear of the future. Depression is a sadness about the past. That's it right there. That's all you need to know about your depression is that you are depressing yourself because you are resisting reality. Because you're living in your head with all of your ideas and your shoulds and what you thought your life would be and it's not. And so your thinking is depressing your body. Yes, the depression shows up in the body. It's an energy, right? You feel low energy. You feel a hollowness, maybe. You feel kind of an overwhelming kind of sadness, discouragement. So you feel depression in the body, but really depression is coming from your head in the sense of, I thought by the time I would be 30, I would be married and maybe about ready to have a baby. And I don't even have a partner. Or by 40, I thought that my career would be going and I just got laid off and, you know, and I don't know what I'm going to do. Do you see that? Do you see that you depress yourself because you had ideas about the way you thought your life would be and reality is it's not that way? So here's the, one of the implications of what I'm saying. Most of us think we are depressed because of the circumstances. I'm depressed because I'm 40 and I've never been married and it's, it's breaking my heart and I'm discouraged. So I'm depressed because I'm not married. Or I'm depressed because my career is nowhere. It's not anywhere where I thought it would be. So I'm depressed because my career is not on track. I'm here to tell you, no, you're not. You're not depressed because you're single or because your career is not on track. You're depressed because of how you're thinking about being single and about your career. Because what if you just had the thought that, all right, I kind of thought by 40, I would be married, but the actual way that I'm thinking about it is I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. That life hasn't forgotten about me. God doesn't hate me. There's not a mistake here. That I'm, that my relationship status is exactly the way it's supposed to be to teach me the lessons that I most need to learn. 
See, so now you're single and it's not what's wrong with me. Life sucks. I never thought I would be an old maid. Now your mentality is what can I learn from this? Perhaps I'm sabotaging myself. Perhaps I am blocking myself in some way and, you know, hindering my ability to attract lasting love. See, now it's framed differently. Perhaps you're trusting life. And that's the solution to, to depression. We'll get to that in a minute. Perhaps you're in the mentality of I'm trusting life. Okay, yeah, I had my crazy ideas about the way life should go. <laughs> but, you know, life doesn't come to you and ask you, hey, Roy, how do you want it to be? I will... You know, life will, I'll make all the atoms in the entire universe move in such a way and form in such a way for the last 14 and a half billion years so that you can be a famous professional golfer. See, life doesn't ask me like what I want and then the whole universe morphs itself into my own desires. I know there are people that tell you that, that your thoughts can create reality right? Please know that those people are lying to you or they're insane if they actually believe that. It doesn't work that way. You, that is such a narcissistic point of view that you can have whatever you want. And if you just think it and believe it, you can create it. That's such a narcissistic view of of life. Okay? So the reality is you might have your ideas on what you want. Fine. Great. Who doesn't have an idea of what they would like in the future? But you're going to get depressed if you hold on to that and you really think it should be that way. So your depression isn't caused by it by circumstance. It's caused by how you're thinking about your circumstance. You remember in one of my podcasts, I quote, I think it was in the quantum quotes um, episodes where I quoted Michael Singer when he said, all problems, that would include anxiety and depression, all problems are caused by mind, no exceptions. Your depression is caused by your mind. It's the way you're thinking of it. So, if you're 40 and never been married and you think of it like, that's okay. That's okay. I trust I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. God, life, the universe, whatever you want to call it. Source is in control and my life is unfolding exactly the way it's supposed to be. And it's this way so that I get a chance to learn the lessons that I really need to learn. Now, when you are trusting life like that, then where does depression come from? There isn't anything to be depressed about because you're not sad or down or discouraged about where your life is. You're trusting. You're exactly where you're supposed to be. Having the experience you're supposed to have. So now you're upbeat. Now you're like, all right, I am never not in the hands of the universe. I am never not being taken care of. 
Everything is okay. It has been okay. It's okay right now. And it's going to be okay in the future. No, I might not get what my mind says I want, but it's still going to be okay. I'm still trusting that my life is unfolding the way it's supposed to. Now, where would depression come if you trust life? Now, since there are so many Christians in the world, and therefore probably a large percentage of my audience would identify themselves with the Christian faith, do you sort of get that if you trust that God is in control and that God loves you, there is no place for you to feel depressed as a Christian? It makes no sense. There's even a verse in the Bible where I think it's Peter says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials and tribulations. Even the Bible says when someone's punishing you and coming after you and giving you a hard time and maybe putting you in jail and all those kind of things, persecuting you, it says consider it joy. Why? Well, because God loves you and he's in control. So you're exactly where you're supposed to be. So if you have any faith at all, whether that faith is in just life itself Like, you can be an atheist and still be a person of faith. You can just be trusting life. You can just be trusting that you're okay, that life is unfolding. Weird things happen. Sometimes I don't get what I want. Sometimes the visions I have for my life don't turn out that way. You remember the story of It's, It's a Wonderful Life with George Bailey? You remember His whole story was he was going to go get educated and then build bridges and roads and all that shit. And it didn't turn out that way. And so what happened? He was depressed and standing on the edge of a bridge. And he was going to jump. That's what happens to us. We have these ideas about the way our lives should be. And when they're not that way, we get depressed. And on the flip side, we get anxious When we're afraid we won't get what we want in the future. I want this and I don't want that. And because you have an innate knowledge that you don't control everything, you can feel anxious about the future. If you could control everything, right? If, if the law, this law of attraction nonsense part, oh, you visualize it and feel it and believe it and you can manifest it. You can have what you want. You can, Create your reality. If that was true, then you would never have to feel any anxiety. What are you going to feel anxious about? You're in control of everything. If you don't want something to happen, then don't manifest it. If you do want something to happen, well, don't be anxious about it. What's to be anxious about? Just create it. But since we know that that is mumbo jumbo, that when you stop and actually think about it, that it's nonsense because you could win the lottery then every week or you could manifest your partner right now like I dream a genie, they would just pop into the room you're sitting in or walk up to you on the sidewalk right now as you're walking down the street listening to me or you're in the car at a stoplight and you look over, there's your life partner 
And they get out of their car and say, where have you been my whole life? They jump in your car and off you go. You drive to Vegas and get married. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. So you're anxious because you know you don't control the future and you might not get what you want. Or you might get what you don't want. But what if you told yourself that however life sees fit to unfold, I'm fine with. I will surrender to what is. Whatever comes my way, I'll work with it. I won't fight it and resist it and say this shouldn't be happening. I can't believe that happened. So you can live without anxiety because I just know that I can't control anything, but whatever happens will be for my growth and I'll work with it. That's called living a life of surrender. People who are truly have faith or surrender or trust don't experience anxiety. Nor do they experience depression. So the real issue is, are you going to shift from your thoughts to trust? That's where depression is healed. The lowercase d type. Shifting from your thoughts to trust doesn't change hormones in your body. It doesn't change your biochemistry. Okay? So if your depression is chemically based, then none of this is going to make a difference. Because I do know people who live in absolute trust. They are not Christians per se. They are not theists. They just trust life. But they still had to take anti-depression medication. Because there's a chemical imbalance in their, in their system. So there's a, a physical system and a psychological system. All we're dealing with is the psychological one. And I'm telling you, depression is as simple as life hasn't turned out the way you thought it should or the way it, you thought it would. And so the problem is not the way the way life turned out. It's the way you're thinking about it. You see, believe it or not, the worst thing that you can let your child or a child do is to tell you when they're 10, 11, 12 years old, what they're going to do when they grow up and who they're going to be and what they're going to experience. That's the worst thing you can let a child do. You should interrupt them and say, I hear you, sweetheart. I, I hear what your dreams are. And that's wonderful. And you should chase them. But just know that life doesn't always go the way we want it to. Weird things happen. Sometimes your life might go in a direction you never thought it would. Just know that whether you get your dreams or not, you're okay. And you will always be okay. And you will be able to deal with whatever happens in your life. So, honey, you're 12 years old and you're telling me one day that you want to grow up and get married and you want to have babies and be a mommy and all that stuff. That's wonderful. I hope that you can have that. Now, maybe you don't tell the child, you know, we don't know whether your reproductive system is operational. Because they might not be able to physically have children. 
Little boys, I want to grow up and I want to be a professional golfer. That's great, son. Practice your ass off. I'm behind you 100%. But that's difficult. And sometimes it might not go that way. So don't get too attached to your dreams. Sure, follow them, pursue them. That's, that's great. That's wonderful. But don't get too attached because if, if life doesn't turn out the way you want it to, then you're going you're gonna to be really upset. And you're not going to live the life that you actually have. You're attempting to live the life that's in your head. Do you hear that? We, and this is so common, we don't live the life that we actually have. We don't live what's right in front of us. We live in our heads. We're living in our dreams. We're living in our fantasies. We're living in our shoulds. We're not actually living reality. You're missing your life. When you have this idea about the way life is supposed to be or the way it's not supposed to be, and this is what I always wanted, you're missing your actual life. And you will be depressed. Does this make sense? I know it sounds simplistic. But as Michael Singer has said, you know, I remember, I think I shared this maybe a couple episodes ago. I remember sitting with him in person and there's like 80 people in the room. He's like, I don't even know any of you people, but I can tell you why you're anxious and I can tell you why you're depressed. I don't even know you. I just happen to know the way the mind works. He says, you're anxious because you're afraid you might not get what you want or you will get what you don't want. And you're anxious about that. And you're depressed because you're upset that your life is not the way you wanted it to be. That's why, <laughs> that's it. And you hear that and you're like, holy crap. That's so true. It's ridiculous. That's so simple. I'm anxious because I'm worried about the future not being the way I want it. And you know what? Damn it. I can't control the future. So no wonder I'm anxious. But if I'm trusting that life is going to unfold perfectly, and I'm going to learn something and I can handle whatever happens. Okay. Where's the anxiety? What's to be anxious about? And yeah, depression just comes from, oh yeah, I, I thought my life would be X, Y, or Z and it's not, oh crap, I'm down. I'm discouraged. I'm disappointed. Well, what if you let go of all that the, the way I thought life should be? You just made that up in your head, right? At some point in your life, you just thought up in your mind, this is what I want. You just made it up. I'm not saying it's not real. I'm not saying that they aren't admirable goals or, you know, desires that make sense. You want a family. You want to have a career. You want to do this or that. I'm not saying that that doesn't make any sense. I'm saying at some point you just made up in your head what you wanted but yet you have no real ability to control all the factors in the universe that it takes to make that true. And then when you find out that you can't have children or your dream job 
the CEO was embezzling money and gets arrested and the company crumbles and now you you've got nowhere to go in your career and you're in your 50s and where do you, how do you start over in your 50s nobody wants to hire someone in their 50s right oh now you're depressed because you were attached to your thinking and to your visions and your dreams instead of being attached to trusting that life is going to unfold in mysterious ways and no matter what happens I'm okay and I can deal with it. So there you go. That's about all that I can say about lowercase d depression. You're not depressed about what's happening. You're depressed about how you're thinking about what's happening. How you're resisting it. And fighting it. And believing that what you wanted was the way life should be. It's as if we think we're God. This is the way life should be. This is the way people should behave. These are the way partners should act. These are the way my kids should should treat me. This is the way the amount of money that I should have. And then life sort of winks at you like, I have different ideas for you. For the way life unfolds. For your partners, for your kids, for your career. And you're depressed because you have resistance to that. But what if you woke up every day and you had no agenda for your day per se? You were just like, let's just see what happens today. What am I going to learn today? How's life going to unfold today? Okay, yes, I have my to-do list. Fine, right? But, and I I know what I want to do. I have certain appointments. I'm doing certain things. I'm engaging with certain people. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I've got my day all planned out. And I just know that there's something, I could get a flat tire on the way to whatever. And now my whole day is different. And I could be all depressed because I didn't get to live my day the way I wanted to because I got this flat tire. Right, but what if you get up in your day and you say, okay, this is kind of what I've got planned out for my day, but I'm not attached to it. Oh yeah, I'm going to I'm going to do my to-do list. I'm going to go do my appointments. I'm going to I'm going to operate as if I have control. <laughs> but I know deep in my soul that life wins every time. And that's okay with me. So today's going to be an adventure. I think it's going to go this way, but I have no idea, and that's okay with me. If something else happens, then I'll work with it. And I won't judge it. And I won't be angry about it. And I won't be depressed about it. Life is going to do what life is going to do. And so I wake up every day with my intentions, but no attachment. There it is right there. Intention without attachment. Oh yeah, this is my intention. (laughs) I'm not attached to that. Because I don't have absolute control over people, conditions, and circumstances. And if I think I do, I'm going to be depressed when it doesn't turn out that way. Or I'm going to be anxious because somehow I do know that I really don't have any control over how this day goes. So, oh my God, what could happen today? So you can get out of bed in the morning and be anxious about what could happen. Or you could be excited. Like, I've got these ideas for my day. Maybe life has got something way more amazing for me. 
It might be scary. It might be sad. But today is going to be an adventure. Do you see how it's all problems are caused by mind? Are you getting that? That your number one enemy is that fucking voice in your head and in mine? The tendency for us to think and to dream and to have hope. You know, Michael Singer says that a spiritual person, the idea of hopes and dreams is not spiritual at all. What are you hoping for? I'm hoping I get what I want and I don't get what I don't want. Hope creates anxiety. Dreams, I'm dreaming of this, I'm dreaming of that. And if you don't fulfill your dreams, what happens? You're depressed. Great beings don't have hopes and dreams. Yes, they might have intentions. They might know that they have a goal or something, that they want to do something. Maybe they want to write a book or, right? So it's not like great beings are not active and they aren't doing anything. But they don't have hopes and dreams, Because the word hope and dream has got all kinds of attachment stuck to it. It's Velcroed to it. There's a neediness. I I have hopes. I need these things. I have dreams. I need these things. Great beings don't have any need. They have absolute trust that life is going to unfold the way it's supposed to. And they're going to experience what they're supposed to experience for their own growth and development. And so great beings might have intentions. They might even have a to-do list that day. Oh, I'm going to go get my license renewed. And then I'm going to stop and have lunch with a friend. And then I'm going to sit down and, and for two hours write my book because I have a deadline with my publisher by the end of the year. Yeah, 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 yeah. But there's no hopes or dreams here. I just have my intentions, but there's just no attachment to them. I'm not hoping for something in the future. I'm not dreaming that I'll get what I want or that I avoid things that I don't like. How radical is that? What personal growth person has ever told you that your hopes and dreams are a sign of spiritual immaturity? (laughs) Well, thank you very much. That's just what I told you. But don't don't take my word for it. You, You think about it. All these things that I'm sharing with you about anxiety and depression and hopes and dreams, don't, don't just take my word for it. You sit with it and you tell me whether this doesn't make sense. If it doesn't make sense, then live your life that way. Live it your way. But if it does make sense, then perhaps you might need some coaching on, boy, whoo, how do I align with this? Like, how, how do I flesh this out in my life, right? Um... Man, everything in my life tells me the opposites of these things. But what you're saying is is a truth. And it's I know it's not coming from you, Roy. I know Buddha taught this. I know Jesus taught this. It's all over the Bible. It's all over the Hindu scriptures. It's all over the Buddha sutras. Any person that really pays attention understands these things. So it's not Roy's truth. It's just the perennial wisdom that everybody that's looked has seen. So if, you, if you're starting to see it, 
you probably need mentoring or coaching and how to more embody these things to live this way. And that's what I'm here for. So I wrap up this series on, on these dark matters, anxiety and loneliness and insecurity and resentment and depression. And I'm saying there, there is help when we are experiencing these things. And I'm here to work with you, to support you in your growth in these kinds of dark matters. So if I can be of service, you know where to find me, Roy at coachingwithroy.com. And my cell phone number is 407-687-3387. Okay, so that's dark matters. That's a little bit of info on how to work with some of life's most difficult emotions. And until next time, bye-bye. You've been listening to Attracting Lasting Love with Roy Biancalana. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review and share it with anyone you think might benefit from listening. Check out our website at coachingwithroy.com and tune in every week for more insights and wisdom on creating healthy, lasting, conscious relationships.